Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you want to talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts. Show the stats. Act like radios are off. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you want to talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts. Show the stats. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew and I'm here with Joe today. Joe, how are you doing? Doing all right. Just got done watching some football. Fantasy's doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing pretty well, Joe. Yeah. Um, you know, aside from watching my Jaguars consistently lose on a daily basis, or I should say weekly basis. But, you know, other than that, my fantasy teams are doing pretty good as well. So that's a positive. Yeah. Hey, just to let you know, I did have the Lions uh, winning that game. Yeah, I know, Joe. I don't know. I don't know, Joe, what's going on with these Jaguars, but only time will tell. Right. I, could, I could tell you there might be a little coaching fire soon. Yeah, I'm hoping, Joe. I, I'm hoping you're right. That's all I got to say. <laughs> all right. So today's topics include, what do the Heat have to do to put themselves in a better situation to win the finals next season? What did the Buccaneers prove after taking down the undefeated Packers? And are the Browns, quote-unquote, imposters after losses to both the Ravens and the Steelers? Should we vote them out, Joe, or nah? Let's dive headfirst into it here on Highly Contested. Let's start with the NBA. The Miami Heat surprised many fans by coming out of nowhere as the fifth seed in the East and making it all the way to the finals, beating the Pacers, Bucks, and the Celtics to get there. They won two games, but would lose to the Los Angeles Lakers in game six. So, Joe, what do the Heat have to do in your eyes to put themselves in a better situation to win the finals next season? All right. So, for the Heat to uh, make a comeback in the finals next year, it's going to take some work, but not a lot. Now, hear me out when I say this. So... Jimmy Butler showed that he really couldn't do it by himself, even though you could say he had Hero and Bam and all that, but he, he was basically by himself. So they needed they need another star on that team. But it it really can't look they really can't look into free agency because providing that AD resigns with the Lakers and DeMar DeRozan and Mike Conley Jr. stay where they are with their current teams. They're gonna have to look for the, in the trades, and I don't know how how many picks they got or who they're willing to trade out and stuff like that. It's gonna be hard for them to look in the trade, so they might have to look draft. But even draft is hard to tell because you can't really tell who's a star and who's not as early as they think. Yeah. I'm I'm with you, Joe. I think a star would definitely help them. I, I they don't. It doesn't need to be an all star. It doesn't need to be a superstar. But you know, some someone who's someone who's just like you know. I guess I guess in in a sense to explain it, like a glorified role player in a way, you know. But when I look at this Heat team, they really don't need a lot more. I mean, the thing about their system is it works because you got a great coach in Eric Spolstra. 
And everyone on that team has the same mindset. They're blue collar workers that just want to win. If you try and add someone big time, you might find someone who just doesn't fit the mold that the Heat represents. I mean, don't get me wrong. If they can go out and grab a Bradley Beal or some other star in the making, then yeah, go for it. But just be careful who you bring in because you don't want to bring in you don't want to bring someone in who doesn't fit that that blue collar mold. If I were to say a player's name, I would go after one of the Morris brothers. You're talking about players that you know they can do it all. They rebound, they shoot, they're blue collar, and they aren't scared of the big moment. They could also go after if they're looking, you know, if they're looking for like a real big. They could also go after Harry. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Harry Giles. It might be Harry Giles from the Sacramento Kings. He's a center that they haven't really utilized him a lot. He's averaged about 14 minutes a game. He averages 7.0 points per game and 4.9 rebounds per game during those 14 minutes per game. And I feel like in the right system, he can be even more special. What are your thoughts, Joe? Do you think that they should go after maybe some one of these like, you know, these like role players in a sense? Or do you think they should maybe go after like a Bradley Beal type player? I believe they should go after a Bradley Beal type player. Um, I I don't know. I have a like a name in mind, but I don't know if he's going to be under con if he's still under contract through the years. I'll try to go after like a Fred Van Fleet, like in, like in a trade, mm. and move him to point guard because he has really good ball skills, and he and he's a team player and he's a shooter, and I think that would be I think that would take the Heat to the next step of either either getting back to the finals or possibly like winning it, but we shall see down in the future. Another thing though, too, Joe is, which I a hundred percent agree with you. I think Fred Van Vliet would be a perfect mold for their type of system. Cause he's, he's that type of player. He's very blue collar and he's, you know, he's not scared of that moment. He's a real dog in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So I think he would fit that mold really well. I kind of if, if I'm thinking about bigs though, because when I look at this Miami Heat team, they were struggling with the Lakers because they didn't have anybody that was big enough to handle rebounding, uh, like who, who who couldn't handle going toe to toe with Anthony Davis in rebounding, and I think that you need that. I think that's essential. I mean, Jimmy Butler, he was doing work boxing out players that were twice his size in the paint. But you can't have you can't have your star doing that all game. We saw that in Game Five. I mean, you have him doing that all game, you're going to burn him out. What are your thoughts, Joe? Do you think they should go after a big? Yeah, if they don't go after a point guard or something like that, they should definitely go after a big. Like right now, I'm trying to search out what's what are some bigs that are going to be in the free agency. But uh, I really don't see a lot. Do you think that they might cover that in the draft? Do you think they go after somebody big in the draft then? Okay, so I, from what I'm reading right now, they could go after Andre Drummond and, mm-hmm. um, let's see, Ennis Cantor, uh, Robin Lopez, uh, JaVel McGee, and Willie Cauley-Stein for centers. But that's pretty much all like the big men that are up there. But if they don't go after that, they should definitely go for it in the draft, like you said. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see what they end up doing. There's also talks of them trying to grab Giannis as well. 
Um, if you think that they, if you think that they have, if you think that they can grab Giannis, Joe, does that put this team in? Does that put this team on top of the East? Oh yeah, definitely. They'll definitely have to move a lot of players because um, I think Hero was playing shooting guard. Am I correct? Yeah, he was. Uh, so they're gonna they they're gonna have to move uh, yeah, Jimmy Butler to shooting guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they pretty much had him coming off the bench, but they would have so they would have Goran kind of like run the point with the ball in his hands. Yeah. And they would pretty much have uh, Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn coming off the bench as the point in shooting. So it'll be interesting to see what they like, what pieces they would have to move, and if they would actually be willing to make that trade work. Because Giannis, in my opinion, Giannis is that blue collar worker, and I think that some of the skills that he lacks, Jimmy makes up for. I think. And some yeah. of those other players, like a Duncan Robinson, like they make up for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so, the thing, the thing though, is if the Heat were to do that, they would have to offer a quite a few assets for that. Yeah, I don't know. You think that? You think that they would have to give up Bam? I, if I were the, if I were them, yeah, I would ask for Bam and some picks. Hmm. And then it's just a matter of if the Heat are willing to do the Heat organization are willing to do that. Yeah, I, I doubt they would, because that's basically because it wouldn't be just Bam and a few pigs. It would be like probably maybe Bam and possibly like Hero or something like that, and then mm-hmm. a couple pigs. But that's I don't think the Heat would do that because that's a lot of uh, potential going away. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. We'll see what they end up doing, Joe, because uh, the offseason's not that long, so things are going to be happening quick. Oh, yeah. We're going to switch it to the NFL now. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers took on the undefeated Packers on Sunday and started out slowly, but once they got going, their offense and defense couldn't be stopped. The Packers, after scoring the first 10 points of the game, would not score another point for the rest of the game. So, Joe, what did the Buccaneers prove after taking down the Packers? Look, I I had the Bucks coming out and putting a, putting work on the Packers. The Packers defense, I think they had some injuries on them, so they're missing a couple assets to their defense. But what really surprised me though was the Bucks defense. They showed up and got ro- and got to Rodgers a lot this game. The online for the Packers just had a bad day because of the previous five games, they were ranked, I think top five for online, but you know what they say, you win some and you lose some. So now the, the Packers just got to focus on their next week and just try to protect Rogers better. Cause you don't want to keep, make this a consistent a showing out and that'll be all bad for the Packers. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you on that one, Joe. I think this, I think this was a necessary loss for the Packers. It exposed a lot of areas that they need improvement on if they want to, you know, make a make a solid run down the stretch. I think that the Buccaneers, I think they proved to the NFL that they're a more complete team than people give them credit for. We've talked over and over about their offense, but their defense is their defense was the story of the game. They came up with a pick six and another interception right after. Mm-hmm. You have 
you had Ronald Jones actually going off for 113 yards and two touchdowns. The story of the season so far for the Buccaneers has been Tom Brady and his weapons, but Tom Brady didn't do much this game. You know, he only had 166 yards passing. The defense was just dominant, and the run game was on full display today. This is going to be a tough team to beat if they click like this during the playoffs. Yeah, saying this is this is what getting me kind of scared because I don't I didn't want them getting this flow because next week the Raiders got to play them and if they're still in this flow, ah man, it's gonna it's gonna be one of those games, you know. It's gonna be a tough game, huh? Oh yeah. Let's just let's just hope for you know the Raiders case that. The history between not only Tom Brady, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers inspires some sort of fire in them. Yeah. Hey, but you know what, though? The Packers defense did a really good job against Mike Evans. They, they in fantasy-wise, he only scored 1.5 points. They straight up double cover. They locked him down the whole game, and that was pretty impressive for not having like I think they're one of their corners I was out Desmond King. Mm. And so they did a pretty good job on that, but they couldn't stop that run. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. And you're right, the run couldn't be stopped. Something that I noticed too about the passing game for the Buccaneers, Joe, is we saw Gronk catch five balls for seventy eight yards and a touchdown. Are we finally seeing the resurgence of Gronk in this offense? I was I I was watching the red zone, so uh, and I caught I saw one of the Gronk's touchdowns, and I was like, I was like, wow, Tom Brady's throwing it like how he used to do Gronk in that corner of the end zone, and I don't. He said that he he's not looking for the catches and the touchdowns. He's 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 more into the blocking for Brady. So maybe maybe like you said, we can start seeing more of a. Per, per, productivity on offense just more into the catching not just the blocking i'm not gonna lie to you joe i i would if if i heard gronk saying that he's he would rather do more blocking than catching i mean that might be that might be somewhat true you know he might he might enjoy blocking just as much as he enjoys catching but we know the kind of guy that gronk is oh yeah Gronk loves the big moment and he loves being, you know, the kind of the center of attention, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which I mean, we all do in a way, you know, but Gronk, he just, you know, that spotlight, he was made for the spotlight, I think. Oh yeah. But I think the reason why he's like more focusing on blocking because it's less um, impacts for injury. Mm. That's why we see more offensive line just going pretty long in their careers Instead of like, because when he was when he was out being a, uh, a phenomenal tight end, catching everything from Brady, he got he was getting hurt quite a lot. So maybe he's looking at this like, okay, maybe if I'm more blocking, I could get less hurt, but I could still catch those balls when I need to. Yeah, I agree. I think that the the influence of you know the fact that there's less open field you know, hard running towards each other. And then that the solid impact, the force that, you know, the force that comes out of that impact of two players running full speed at each other, that's significant. And I think that's the reason I think I agree with you, Joe. That's the reason why he's probably gotten hurt a lot. I mean, a lot of those injuries, I don't know if you recall, but a lot of those injuries came during around the time when 
defensive players felt like the only thing they could do was go after the legs. Um, I'm sure you remember that, yeah. right? Yeah, so it came during that time, and I think that Gronk's injury is what kind of sparked a lot of debate with the NFL and with players as far as, you know, okay, well, what, what, what does a defensive player do? Does a defensive player take the fine or does a defensive player go for the legs? And, you know, people were arguing, well, can, can they, is it possible for them to do neither? And then defensive players were like, not really. And here's why. So there was a lot of, you know, back and forth between that. I think that's one of the primary reasons why we saw Gronk develop some of those serious injuries yeah, because if you're in, if you're getting tackled with the leg, and you kickstand your arm out, you're you're doing some damage to your arm. You're possibly breaking your arm, or over uh, hyperextending your elbow, or something's going to happen to your arm if you kickstand your arm out when you're out falling. Yeah, and not only that too, but let's say that the leg that they go after is the planted leg. Mm. Well, then that leg is firmly planted on the ground, and so you might hyperextend that leg and and mess up your knees. You know what yep. I mean? Definitely some injuries, but with this uh, high octane offense the Bucks have, there could be more. Like, there's less attention on Gronk than there used to be. I agreed, which might. You know, I, like I said, it might be in his favor. Mm-hmm. We saw Mike Evans not get many catches. They shut him down pretty well. But then we saw Gronk, who had the most yards out of, out of anybody on the Buccaneers receiving core. You know, so we're going to keep it in the NFL and talk about the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons got their first win of the season on Sunday, hand, handing the Vikings a victory in stunning fashion as they dropped 40 points on the Vikings to blow them out 40 to 26. This all comes after their GM, general manager, and head coach were fired earlier this week. So, Joe, are the Falcons a much better team than their record says? Um, the Falcons came out strong to defeat the struggling Vikings, and let me let me tell you this, you know, this is the second time we've seen a team this year fire their head coach and win their next game. We've seen mm. that from the Texans and now the Falcons. Mm. But like I said, the Vikings are a struggling team. So as far as the Falcons are a better team than the record shows, as of now, yes, I think they are. But I need more proof of that. I need to see them play like this on better teams. And possibly next week we could see that because they are playing the Lions. And they are the Lions are a good team. They just They're just coming off a win today. Sorry, Drew, but um, wait, I need to. See- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to see him do this against the Lions because the Lions are a better team than the Vikings. You think so, huh? You think the Lions are a better team than the Vikings? As of now, yes, because like I said, the Vikings are struggling on offense and defense. Mm. Yeah, Joe. I mean, the the Falcons they sure as hell looked like it this game, huh? That that they're better than the record says. Oh yeah. They limited the Vikings offense to 32 rushing yards. Their secondary, which has struggled all season, the Falcons secondary has, primarily due to injuries in every defensive back position. They grabbed three interceptions versus Kirk Cousins. Offensively, they got Julio Jones back, and you definitely notice the difference in their offense with Julio on the field. I mean, eight catches, 137 yards, two touchdowns. He averaged 17.1 yards per catch. I mean... Think about that, Joe. He 
He was three yards away from averaging a big play every time he <laughs> That's That's pretty amazing. <laughs> right? Uh, just a dominant performance by him. And this will open up the offense for everyone else as well because teams will have to respect Julio more than the Vikings did today. Oh, now, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, did you want to touch up on that, Joe? Oh, no, go ahead. I'll just screen with you. No, uh, what I was going to mention, Joe, was that it's interesting that you talked about, you know, that this was the second time we've seen this. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. The Texans go 0-4 to start. They fire Bill O'Brien, and then they get their first win of the season. Atlanta goes 0-5. They fire Dan Quinn, and now they get their first win of the season. Is it – what do you think it's more of? Is it one of those things where they feel just a nice change of pace, or do you feel like these firings are even more than just a change of pace for a team that might be struggling? Uh, this is this is a definitely a change of pace because them firing knows that anyone else could go, and so they, they just – put a little fire under their ass and everyone needs to get step up their game. But the thing is though, I'm still unsure about Matt, Matt Ryan's play. I still think they should go look for the draft or looking free agency for a younger QB or a better one than Matt Ryan. That's just me. You might have a different uh, thing about that, but I'm still not confident on Matt Ryan. Well, Matt Ryan, he's, He's not a bad quarterback by any stretch. I mean, I would take Matt Ryan over like a Kirk Cousins, for example. Um, you know, considering we're comparing the yeah. two they played today, I would take Matt Ryan over a Kirk Cousins, for example. But if if we're talking about like the future, it seems like Atlanta wants to go in a direction, and I think that considering Matt Ryan's age, I feel like at some point they're going to want to move on from him, whether it's you know the end of the season, whether it's, you know, a year or two from now, I don't know, but they, I feel like at some point they're going to move on from him. I think it's just a matter of time to answer, to answer the question though. I think, I don't know, Joe, I think it's a little more than just a change of pace because, you know, like you talked, you talked about, you know, okay. Anybody can go in this team. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. we we just fired the head coach. You guys are, you know, you guys are not to not to say anything bad about this, but it's like, you know, you guys are just the blue collar workers compared to the head coach, you know? Yeah. Like, if, if, if he can go, you guys can go too, you know? And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's like they think to themselves like, yeah, we need to, you know, step up. But I think it's also one of those things, Joe, where they just, you know, feel a sense of relief, you know? Like, you know, especially like, the Texans with Bill O'Brien, for example. I mean, you just feel just an incredible sense of relief that like, yes, our organization is finally doing something that's headed in the right direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, that's how I feel like, at least. I feel like, you know, it's it's just a little bit more, but you never know. I mean, maybe the Falcons get this win today and they lose next week. And, you know, that would kind of disprove my theory and it would, <laughs> It would be just, you know, a simple change of pace. But, I mean, I will say this. The Texans look like, I mean, they they almost got a win against an undefeated team today and a tough team in their division, the Titans. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I just want to say this. I I want to go back to another game that that happened today, the Jets and Dolphins. Mm. Uh, Adam Gase is... 
his time is ticking right now because I believe the Jets, they need to fire him either tomorrow, today, whenever. They just need to do it because he he is not a great coach. He might have when he was on whatever other team he was on prior to the Jets, but they need to get rid of him. He is not he's not he's not coaching at all. Yeah, Joe, it's interesting that you mentioned Adam Gase, which, you know, by the way, for all our, you know, listeners that are listening to this, you know, this isn't something this isn't a topic that we plan, but it's something that we can definitely talk about because of the fact that we're talking about coaching and everything. I agree, Joe. Adam Gase is I think he I think he just got lucky, honestly. What for those of you that don't know, Adam Gase has his history is that he was on the Broncos. He was the offensive coordinator on the Broncos when they had Peyton Manning firing on all cylinders in that Broncos offense. That uh, for most people, they understand that that was a historic Broncos off, uh, a historically great offense too. And Adam Gase, he looked great, so he got a starting, uh, he got a head coaching job. And I believe it was with the Dolphins at first. And we all know how that went. And now he's got a head coaching job with the Jets. We know how that's going. It's just one of those things that it's it's going to happen. It's going to happen within the next year. Now, you're saying that it should happen within the week, and I agree with you. But it's interesting, Joe, because the New York Jets organization, they have made it very clear that they are going to stick with Adam Gase till the end of the year. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know if they're even watching their own games or not. You could tell by his play calling that he is not calling the right plays. He's, I don't. I don't know what he's doing on the field. He's looking for. He's looking for flies around him. He's he's bug eyed right now. He still doesn't know what to do. He needs to be gone. In my opinion, he needs to be gone. All the Jets fans could say different, and I'd like to. I'd love to hear you out on Twitter. You could comment on our Twitter account, and um, I'd love to hear what you guys think about that. Joe, I think a lot of Jets fans would actually agree with you, um, but we'll wait and see. The thing is, too, is we a lot of Jets fans they're talking about that because you know as of right now they are zero and five, I believe. Yeah. Um, and you know, as of right now, we're hearing talks of you know that they're going to be the team that actually tanks for Trevor. And it, you know, I just continue thinking. I'm like, dude, you're gonna you're gonna grab a quarterback that you know could have a great future and you're gonna you're gonna put him on you're gonna put him in an organization that's a dumpster fire and you're gonna expect him to be superman and just save the organization i just i hate when teams do that i hate when teams have that mentality when fans have that mentality i don't know joe what are your thoughts on that yeah i don't like when teams tank and plus they got they got a sam Darnold. he was pretty he was pretty good last year even though i think it, yeah he was it was last year he did pretty good and not, just what are you saying? Not, sorry, I was gonna say he's not doing bad, Joe, by any stretch. Yeah, he's 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 a pretty good QB. Uh, they're they like you said, they're probably taking for Trevor, even though I totally disagree because they have Sam Darnold right behind Joe Flacco. Even though I don't agree with Sam Darnold's betching, that sh- shouldn't shouldn't happen because he's mm. the best. He's the best QB on that team. Sorry, Joe Flacco, but your time was done with the Ravens. Hundred percent, Joe. I mean, we saw it today. We saw it on full display today that Joe Flacco is just not the quarterback he was ten years ago. Yeah, definitely. And 
Yeah, this the t- the sad thing is is that that the Jets team itself they're they're up there with the Jaguars for the worst defense in the league. Both of those teams are, and they you just you can't you can't expect Sam Darnold. You're you're expecting too much out of him. You know what I mean? You're expecting him to step in this organization, this organization that has you know no defense really. I mean, they're, it's not they have no defense; they have a terrible defense. They don't have amazing weapons around him. They don't have the best offensive line. I mean, it's it's average, I think, at best, Joe. And you're expecting Sam Darnold to just save this team when the team has a terrible head coach, in my opinion. Not not a, not even a good, not even like an average coach. Terrible head coach, in my opinion, because the only reason why he has the job that he has is because he was fortunate enough to be coordinating the the one of the most historically great offenses of all time. Yeah, I agree. And Sam Darnold did have a great running back behind him before the Jets released him, Le'Veon Bell, which I don't I don't know why they did that. He was he is one of the one of the best running backs in the NFL right now, so they just let him go for free. And now look what now look at the team he's on, the Chiefs. A, a historical great team right now. A, another dynasty in the future, probably. And they just let Le'Veon go so he could go to the Chiefs. And, and the Le'Veon releasing just doesn't make any sense to me, too, either. I mean, you, you're you paying that guy money. Why not keep him on your roster? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't – I wouldn't even care if you released him as soon as you stopped – as soon as you stopped uh, paying him guaranteed money. But why not keep him on your roster until then? Exactly. It's – I don't. I don't understand this organization. Like I said, I don't even think the owners are watching their games. Mm. I would have to agree with you, Joe. We're going to move to a different NFL topic. The Cleveland Browns walked into their game today four and one, with their only loss being the Baltimore Ravens. They faced the Pittsburgh Steelers, who handed them a whooping as the Browns got defeated thirty-eight to seven. So, Joe. Are the Browns imposters, quote, quote, after losses to both the Ravens and the Steelers? And should we vote them out? All right. So I wouldn't say the Browns are the imposters, but the Browns are definitely sus right now. Even though they played (laughs) great teams in the Steelers and the Ravens and uh, other teams like that. But what we saw that the Browns said that Baker got hurt, wink, wink, or something, but we know that they benched him. He was he was t- ten for eighteen, 100, 119 yards, one TD, and two interceptions, and was sacked four times. He had, he has to get rid of that ball. He had, he has a decent offensive line, and he has a um an okay running game now that even though that Chubb is out with on the IR, they have a a good game uh, run game, but. Something was just off with Baker today, and I agree with them benching him. Mm. I'm agree with you, Joe. They're definitely sus right now. I mean, let's look at the evidence. All right, the teams that they've beaten: the Bengals, the football team, the Cowboys, and the Colts. Only one of those teams has a winning record: the Colts, and their record is four and two. All of those teams have a combined record of eight. 14 and one. 
I think they did their job. And, you know, to quote my good friend, Frank, who has been on this podcast a few times, you play the hand that you're dealt. They had to play those teams and they won versus those teams the way that they should have. But now they've lost blowout defeats to both the Ravens and the Steelers. Both of these teams are ranked one and two for the best defenses of the NFL statistically. So it's understandable that the Browns offense would struggle. But the offense has to do more than what they've done. They scored six points on the Ravens and seven points on the Steelers. The The Browns have to do better than that in order to stand up to their proverbial big brothers in the division. What are your thoughts on that, Joe? Yeah, I agree. Hey, at least there's a, a highlight point to this. No helmets were thrown today. Oh, <laughs> I almost forgot about that, too. Yeah. <laughs> You made a great point there, Joe. Um, well, I, well, Mason Rudolph wasn't on the field, at least. So I think that might have helped, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you touched up on Baker Mayfield, Joe. You talked about how he was pulled from this game. Do you think that it's a big deal, Joe, or did they just pull him because he had a bad day at the office? I think it's going to be a big deal if he um, keeps at it. Like right now, like they're saying that he like something was like uh, well he was hurt or something like he something he put, I don't know what the injury was that they said they said he was hurt, but I think it's a bigger deal that, that why they benched him because of his play. Hopefully, I hope they're hoping that it doesn't consist. It was just like a bad bad day at the office, like you said. But that's the best case scenario if he keeps playing like how he is and defenses got more film on him. It's they're in the, the Browns are be looking for another quarterback. I have to agree with you, Joe. I'm not going to lie to you too. I'm I I've liked Baker. You know what I mean? I think that they, I think that his charisma is there, but you gotta, you, you know, you gotta do better than what, I mean, today he, he was 10 of 18, 119 yards, two interceptions. Yeah, of course he has the touchdown, but I mean, we we're going to ignore that. Right. I'm not too sure too that like in the wins that they've had that he's been, I mean, let's look at, let's look at the game versus the Colts. I know they won the game and the Colts, I know that the Colts are, you know, they have a winning record, so they're not a scrub team by any means, but Baker, he had, he was 21 to 37 that game, 247 yards. And he did have two touchdowns, but he also had two interceptions. If you look at the game, if you look at the game before that one, they played the, um, Cowboys. And I think that with that game, I mean, let's, let's look at what he, he only threw for 165 yards. Yeah. He had two touchdowns, but let's be real here. The the running game was the story of the day for the Browns. I mean, they had 307 yards rushing, you know what I mean? That's when's the last time you heard of a team having 307 yards rushing, Joe? <laughs> I don't know. I can't even tell you. Exactly. I mean, that was just a good day at the office for those running backs. They ate. Mm-hmm. They were they were they were telling they were telling Zeke, nah, feed me, bro. <laughs> that day. <laughs> and you know this other the the game versus the Washington football team. He had, again 156 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he wasn't spectacular by any means, you know. And then the Bengals. I mean, this is this was 219 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He's for many of those wins, he's not that was the only one out of all those wins where he gets, you know, over 200 yards. I mean, it's like crazy. Well, you got to know that 
it's the Bengals team. They're not their defense is not hot. It's it's probably ranked one of the, with around with the Jets and uh Jaguars right now. Yeah, I'm with you 100%, Joe. The Bengals, you know, they're not they're not incredible by any means on defense. I think they're below average for sure. We're talking I think we're talking bottom 10. I think we're in the upper end of bottom 10, but I mean, I think you, I agree with you bottom 10 for sure, but when you look at all those games that Baker has played and you notice that even in the wins, he hasn't had to do much. It really makes you wonder that Joe really makes you wonder, is this the guy moving forward? Because this Browns team is not a bad team by any means. This is a good football team and they're asking him to be a game manager and he's struggling, I think, to even do that. I don't know. Yeah. This, this Browns team is like no joke, but their defense is really good right now. Uh, I like I like how the defense is playing. It's just the two the games that they lost, the Ravens, the offense is on the Ravens is just good. And the Steelers is always good on on offense and you can't stop um Big Ben, so and I mean, they're yeah, like you said, Joe, the Steelers offense they've been clicking lately. I mean, you notice you probably noticed Joe, but they've been using their rookie Chase Claypool a lot lately. Oh yeah, he's been doing real good on the field. Mm-hmm. And like I said, yeah, it's really showing. Definitely, the, they're they're five and zero for the first time ever while Ben Roethlisberger and Tomlin have been together, which is crazy. Oh, expect most likely expect them to see him in playoffs. That's for sure. Agreed. Well, that is all the time that we have for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We will post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested.